everybody. It's always good to be back home. It is a little bit warmer down here in the south. We, uh, my name is Scott Sanciolo. For those of you who do, might not know, um, uh, Pastor Schott on November 19th, 1994, led me to Jesus Christ in the front pew of the building over on Toringford Street at Harvest Baptist Church. And, um, and so I am eternally grateful for his faithfulness and thankful always for opportunities to come back and preach. Uh, Teresa and I um, stepped out in faith about 15 years ago and began a ministry for special needs children and adults. Um, and we have done camps over the years and, and um, have been all over the world now, it seems. Uh, it's going international, I, I suppose. But uh, God is good and faithful and can't wait to be back tonight to explain a little bit more about our international section of, of the ministry and our and uh, what Teresa has been doing to help literally change a country uh, for Christ uh, through uh, families with children with special needs. So please come back tonight to hear, hear more of that. Uh, you might not even want to hear from me after that's done. So, um, but uh, we've been, and have been, God has called me to pastor a church up in West Charleston, Vermont. It's called the Free Will Baptist Church up in West, up in West Charleston. And um, it has been, the building we meet in as well has been in existence for over 175 years. So it's, and it was chartered as the Free Will Baptist Church in um, 1838. And the building was, was erected in 1843 out of one piece of granite stone. It's an amazing, um, it's an, it's an amazing structure. It stands quite strong, of course. And, um. Uh, God, and the gospel's been being preached from that pulpit for 170-something, almost 180 years combined since its charter. So I have the honor to be able to continue to carry the torch of the gospel up there. And uh, we've seen great things. Brother Kevin comes up, and for the last, uh, this, was, this was our third or fourth, where are you? Where are you? Where'd you go? He went third. Uh, we did our third VBS with Brother Kevin. Looking forward to our fourth this year. Uh, we, we have such a great time, does such a great job. And it's an honor to be able to preach for you. But uh, this morning, uh, I'd like to... Um, Turn in our Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10. I have some kind of lapel mic. I don't know. Am I on? Or? Yes, I am on. Okay, lapel. All right, I don't know. We don't have these great technologies up in my church yet either, but, uh, but uh, we do have a, a microphone, and, and it does work, but I don't necessarily need one, so uh, you'll hear me nice and loud. Um, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10 this morning... Um, I'd like to read, I was asked if we wanted to read a response, but I'm looking and I'm thinking and I would like to read. We're going to read verses 25 through 37. If you could stand in respect to God's word with me when you get there, we're going to read Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If I'll begin reading verse 25. If you'll read responsibly with me the even-numbered verses, please. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, and I'll begin in verse 25. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? 
And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound him up with his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's bow and pray. Oh God, you are full of mercy. God, can we just touch but the hem of your garment to receive an inkling of the mercy that you bestow upon us so that we might show it to others, God. We know that that would change the world. No matter what state the world is in, God, you're more powerful. So we ask your blessing this morning as we look at this, and this example through the Good Samaritan and through mercy and the blessings of it. And God, the most merciful you can ever be is to save a sinner that's on their way to hell. And Father, I ask this morning within the sound of my voice if there's someone here who's uncertain about their eternal destiny. God, and may they make that decision to receive you as Savior today. And God, that you would be well pleased with all that's said and done in your midst. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> Think about this. Let this sink in for a moment. Have you ever thought about the fact that for you to live this day... God does not have to take your life. Think about that. Or, in fact, for you to fail to live this day. God does not have to take your life. All he has to do is stop giving it. That's it. Because every day and every breath you breathe is a gift from God and a gift of his mercy. So this morning, through the story of the Good Samaritan, I really want to break this down, and I want to look at the benefits of being merciful this morning. That's what he titled the message, The Benefits of Being Merciful. If you take notes, you can find a place to write this down, but I want you to turn also to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. 
uh, real quick, and we'll be mostly in the text passage this morning, but I really want to look and introduce uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 real quickly to you. And number one, if you're going to write notes down, I, I outline the beauties of mercy, the beauties of mercy, because when you're merciful, you are being like God, and to be unmerciful is the opposite. It's to not be like God. And here's where I want us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, says this, Therefore be, what does that say? Followers of God. In other words, imitators or God-like. See, the Lord Jesus Christ illustrated that in our text we read this morning. And when we break the story down, we're going to indeed see the beauty of mercy and just how beautiful our God is. And we must imitate that. <clears throat> I believe the number one goal of every blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ ought to be to be like Him. We know we're never going to walk on water. We know we're never going to be perfect. But we must be imitators. We must be followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how better way to do that than to show mercy to those? You see, so this lawyer comes. And we see this in verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. A Mr. Know-it-all. He tempted him. And he said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? See, here comes this lawyer, and he says, what should I do? Or what must I do to be saved, in other words? And Jesus said to him, well, you know the law. You're a lawyer. What does the law tell you? And the lawyer turns around and he says, well, the law says that you're to love God with all your heart, okay? With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the law tells me that i got to love God and others with every fiber of my being. And Jesus said, well, you answered right. You got it right. You do this and you're going to be just fine. Well, the lawyer, I believe like a lot of good lawyers out there, and if you're a lawyer this morning, I, I'm, I, I, I know that lawyers, I don't know a lot about, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV. But many good, like many good lawyers, he gets that answer right. But he's looking for a loophole. He's looking for a loophole in the law. But see, the law has no loopholes. See, the lawyer knows just what to say. But still with that, he has not inherited eternal life. See, he knew what the plan of salvation says. But knowing the plan of salvation wasn't enough for him to receive eternal life. Because I want to tell you, the plan of salvation is good. Okay, the plan of salvation is what we have as 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 people who are born again and we want to be witnesses and soul winners and we go out and we have this plan of salvation. But the plan of salvation doesn't save anyone. The man of salvation saves you. You see, the lawyer said, in, it said in verse 29, 
But he willing to, what does that say? Justify himself. Okay? He willing to justify himself. He said, well, just who is my neighbor? So in other words there, he said, I don't want to love anybody I don't have to love. He's justifying himself. You see, he said before, he said that law says to love God with all your heart, to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you're right. Now this go and do and you, thou shall live. So the lawyer says, now he wants to justify himself because he's not really that willing to love just any neighbor who moves into his neighborhood. So he says, just who is my neighbor? And so in verse 30, Jesus begins to tell him this parable of the good Samaritan. In verse 30, the Bible says, And a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And I want you to start opening up a picture in your mind here. I want to describe this picture of this man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. See, Jerusalem is up on a hill, and Jericho is located on the banks of the Dead Sea. And here's a man, he starts up on a mountaintop or on a hilltop, and he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem was a holy city, and Jericho was a heathen city. And it was where Rahab lived in, Jer in Jericho. And this pictures a man or mankind going away from God. And he goes from the holy city to the heathen city. And he's going down, and he's going down, and he's going down. And Jesus said, on that road, he fell among thieves. Now, more of the topography down in that area where he fell among thieves, in Jericho, there's a lot of caves. There's a lot of wild animals, and muggers, and marauders, and robbers, and thieves. And they would stay in those caves just waiting for the next someone to come along. And this man came along. He was the next someone to maraud. And the Bible says that they beat him, they stripped him, they robbed him, they killed him, and they left him half dead. And Jesus said to this lawyer who wanted to know who his neighbor was. Now, Jesus is starting to explain just who his neighbor was. So the first instance comes the first man comes along and it says this then there came along that day a certain priest and the priest saw him i'm going to stop there for a moment now remember this lawyer he's probably a, some amongst the higher muckety mucks so to speak all right he's upper echelon he knows his stuff he knows the law he teaches the law he defends the law he's smart he's an intellectual and he's picking and choosing who his neighbors ought to be in this moment. And now Jesus said, well, you want to know who your neighbor is? Well, here comes a priest. And he's probably thinking, well, okay, I can be a neighbor to a priest, right? They, they dress right. They act right. They say all the right things. And they walk with God, don't they? Well, when you pause there, I had you pause there at that moment because now it goes on to say, what did the priest do? He passed by where? On the other side. So I could see him, I could see this priest walking down and seeing this man left half dead walking down and he's walking, he's walking and he sees him and he's like, whoa, I'm going all the way over here and I'm just, I'm just going to pretend I didn't even see that. 
just going to pretend I didn't even see that. Now the lawyer's probably thinking, oh, he passed by on the other side. That's not really that nice. I don't know if I, if I was in trouble, if I'd want a neighbor like that living next door to me. Who knows what he was thinking? But Jesus particularly see, says that, and he notes that he sees him and he passes by, but not does he just pass by, but he passes by on the other side even, which I think makes the matter compounded even a little bit more unmerciful as we're looking at this. Now, let me say this. The priests of that day were the religious people. They were the teachers. They performed all the rituals and the sacrifice, and the priests represented ritualism. And oh, I want to tell you folks that there are so many churches out here today that are just filled with ritualism. They stand, they sit, they kneel, they pray, they sing, and they do this and they do that. And then they go out and they're just as lost as the bird in a snowstorm. The priest represents ritualism. And that ritualistic priest just passed by. Just passed by. So now Jesus goes on and he goes on to say there comes another man. This time he was a Levite. And what does it say here? And likewise, in verse 32, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him. And what did he do? It said, on the other side. That's exactly right. Now, again, this lawyer saying, okay, the priest, not so good. Okay, the Levite, okay, I could live next door to a Levite. Oh, but wait a minute. This Levite passed by on the other side too. Wow. These guys aren't so great. I don't know if I can love a guy who would leave me left for dead and not give me any help or even at least say, hey, buddy, what's wrong? Can I help you? Oh, no. You see, maybe this Levite was saying, look at you. You're in a mess. We're not, you're not supposed to be down here. Of course, he's in the same place, right? Seems to be a pretty popular place, really. You know, the places we're not supposed to be seem to be the most popular places, and then it seems to be the places where we get the most trouble. But you see, he's probably thinking, too, you're just getting what you deserve, probably. And he went on past, and you see, that's what the law does. See, the Levite were the keepers of the law. So the priest represented ritual, and the Levite... And the Levite represented rules. You have rituals and you have rules. But I want to tell you, that's what the law does. And I want to say that all the rules and laws of the Old Testament, they can describe us, they'll condemn us, but they will not save us. And then Jesus said, a third man came down. Now the bombs start dropping. The third man in verse 33, what was he? He was a Samaritan. The Bible says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. I bet this lawyer's kind of sweating. He's probably pretty convicted, you see. Here's this priest. Here's this Levite. They look like great people. They look like the kind of people you'd want to be around. However, they just ignore this poor guy. But here's this Samaritan. You know who the Samaritans were? They were the mixed race. They were the hated and the shunned and the outcasts. And Jews despised them. And when Jesus dropped that bomb by saying that certain Samaritan, I believe that Jesus Christ was talking about himself. I believe he had himself in mind. And I'm going to go on to explain how this Samaritan is a type of Christ. 
Jesus was despised and he was rejected and he was hated among men. And this man, this hated one, this despised one, he's coming along and Jesus said he saw the man and he saw him where he was, the Bible said. He saw him, he came where he was when he saw him. And what does it say? He had compassion on him. This is Jesus Christ, folks. He went to him. He found the man's wounds. And then Jesus said he poured in oil and he poured in wine. I don't know if you know this, but oil represents symbolically the Holy Spirit of God. Oil can represent the Holy Spirit. It represents comfort, and he's the comforter. And there with the oil and the balm, the healing oil was providing comfort in those wounds as he was pouring that balm of comfort all over him, all over his broken body. And then what does the wine represent? The wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ. See, he poured in the oil to comfort, and he pours in the wine to cleanse the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. Representing the wonderful ministry of God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Then the Bible says the good Samaritan, what did he do? What did he do next? He put oil, and he, put, he poured in oil, and he poured in wine. Okay, he bound his wounds, and he... Here it is. Underline this. He set him on his own beast. He didn't just take him to the inn. He didn't just, just pick him up and take him to the inn. He set him on his own beast. And what a picture. What a picture of substitution that is. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's this man. To begin with, the Samaritan was riding on his own beast. Okay, He was riding. But the man was on the ground, you see. He was hopeless and helpless on the ground. But after the good Samaritan met him, the man was riding and the Samaritan was walking. What a picture. What a picture of salvation that is. Because Jesus takes my place and I take his. And what a beautiful picture of the beauties of mercy that is. He set him on his beast and brought him to the inn. And then he said, you take care of him. Here's some money. Here's whatever it costs. And if you pay more, when I come back, I'll pay you back. I'll pay the price. And that's a great picture of salvation right there. And I'm so grateful that on November 19, 1994, that Jesus came to where I was. Jesus came and bound up my wounds and poured oil and wine over my broken soul. And saved me from a destiny of eternal hell. And he put me on his beast and took me to his inn. And he took care of me. He replaced me and he saved me. And I'm so grateful that he brought me to his house of mercy. And that he paid the price. So the lawyer, he considered this priest and this Levite perhaps to be his neighbor. But those particular ones didn't act very neighborly. So in verse 36, he asked the lawyer this. And remember, here's a lawyer. Here's a, probably someone who's might be, I don't know, I'm trying not to sound judgmental. I wasn't there that day. But perhaps he was a little pompous and judgmental. You know, the Jews, they wouldn't even walk through Samaria. 
they would walk around Samaria to get through to get to the other side of it. They couldn't even be associated with them. That's how despised the Samaritans were. And so I can imagine this, this lawyer, this Jew, had the same dis, uh, uh, disposition against the Samaritans. And when he asked, Jesus asked him this in verse 36, Now which of these three thinkest thou? was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And you know what? <clears throat> I even believe he answered it in these words because he couldn't even bring himself to admit it was the Samaritan. So he raises it like this. He <clears throat> that showed mercy on him. All right? Then Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. The one who showed mercy was the one who loved his neighbor. And Jesus... <clears throat> Then drops the second bomb and says, go and do the same. No matter who your neighbor is, no matter what they do, no matter what they've been through, no matter what their life looks like to you, it's none of your business. Just go and show mercy and love and kindness of the Savior because you were there one day. <clears throat> My dear friend, listen. Jesus Christ has shown every single one of us mercy and all he requires for us is to go and do thou likewise. Micah 6, 8 says, these are things, three things that God requires of us. That's to seek justice, to love mercy, to love mercy. Don't just do mercy because, oh man, do I have to? You want to love it. Love Give that same mercy that you loved receiving it, now you give it back tenfold. And to walk humbly with your God, because that's what it takes to seek justice and love mercy, is to walk humbly with your God. You see, so when it comes to compassion, the world, if you're still taking notes, is made out of three categories, okay? Just think this, and I'm not going to beat this to a pulp here, but there are three categories. As we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan, we looked at the robbers, the thieves, the man walking, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. You can narrow our world to three categories of people. First, there's the beater-uppers. There's the beater-uppers. Those are the people who rob and kill and destroy and I'm telling you that we have people today who've been bruised and battered. There's little children who've been abused and battered. There's people out there who've been thrown and cast out to, to, to some deplorable conditions that we have witnessed ourselves out in other countries. And even in this country, by the way, we're, no, we're, we're not that innocent. We're not that innocent. We're not too far removed from that here. And we're getting to it now a little bit more subtly in laws that are being passed to support the, the murder of unborn babies. And laws being passed to support the murder of, of, of elderly and the murder of people that the world seems to classify as not, you know, survival of the fittest, so to speak. And we're not too far removed from that. We're not too far away from that, I mean. There's the beater-uppers. Some people are even wounded Spiritually, by being taught wrong doctrine, by being treated. You can be in a church teaching proper doctrine, but you're being mistreated and beaten up by those who think they're better. 
by those who think they have a corner of the market on what they ought to think you ought to be doing to be right with God. And we can't get, we can't get caught up into that either, folks. There are standards. There are biblical standards that we need to abide by. But the Bible says each and every individual Christian must work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, if we show mercy and compassion like Jesus did, there wouldn't be, this be standing room only this morning. Not because I'm here, but because Jesus is here, ready to pour it out on us. And he's still here, ready to pour it out. So there's the beater-uppers. The number two categories, there's the passer-uppers. All right? Those are like the priest and the Levite. And God help us. Most of those passer-uppers can be right in our own churches. The ones who shun from those who don't look right, dress right, or act right. How many of us have come up alongside of somebody on the street who's destitute? How many of us who've come up alongside of somebody who walks in, maybe still half intoxicated from a night, Saturday night, trying so desperately to figure out how that can be taken away from him? And we don't greet them because they might be dirty and they might smell. We can't do that either, folks. We can't pass up any opportunity to minister the glorious gospel of bringing people from death unto life. The passer-uppers, the beater-uppers, and then the third category are the picker-uppers. And I like them. You see, but we're one of, the, we're one of these three. We're the picker-uppers like the Samaritan who go to that person in need, who give them what they need in their time. And they, you know, and it's not that they need money. It's not that they need new clothes. It's not even that they need healing wounds. They need mercy. They need love and compassion from Jesus Christ through you. And you're one of those three. I'm one of those three. There's the thieves who say, what's yours is mine and I'm going to get it. There's the priests who say, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Or the Samaritan who says, what's mine is mine, but you can have it if you need it. And I'm here to share, and I'm here to serve, and I'm here to minister. And the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And those are the beauties of mercy. And then there's the basis of mercy. The basis of mercy is truth. There can be no mercy without truth. Psalm 85 10 says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You see, God links mercy together with truth. And to show mercy is to present truth. So when you show mercy, you're withholding judgment. But you see, so sometimes we think we're being merciful because we're being truthful. But are we, are we, really, are we really tempering that truth with the truth of the word of God? And the love and the grace that goes along with it. See, mercy and truth, they're met together. And that's where it's all rooted in. And when you withhold judgment, that means that, see, you're withholding something that's needed. And, let's, and our sin requires judgment. So when you're presenting mercy, you're withholding that judgment. Judgment's really needed. 
and really expected. So then mercy becomes the judgment. And the justice of God says that sin must be punished. And that's where the truth is. So once you see the truth, then you have nothing else to do but cry out for mercy. And if you refuse the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you refuse his mercy, then there's no hope. You see, you think that Jesus Christ could have died in agony and blood for you, and then we sit in a church building like this, hear a preacher that preaches about the love of Jesus Christ, that he died. And then do you think we can walk out of here without that and be okay and refuse the Lord Jesus Christ and trample beneath the blood of the cross? You say, oh, preacher, I wouldn't do that. Well, let me say something. Everybody in this building is going to walk out of here either over the blood or under the blood. So we, we might do that. I pray we walk out of here under the blood. See, that's the truth. That's what the truth is. And again, Jesus Christ came to this world to shed that his precious blood is a free gift but you must accept that free gift of grace to obtain God's compassionate mercy. They go hand in hand, just like truth and mercy, grace and mercy, righteousness and peace. They're all interwoven. Rejecting the blood of Jesus Christ is rejecting the truth. Rejecting the truth is rejecting grace, thus eliminating our chance to obtain mercy. That's the basis of mercy. And then number three, this is the last thing, and I'm about to close this morning. The blessings of mercy. The blessings. You see, when you show mercy, Jesus is giving blessing. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they should obtain mercy. Now, that doesn't mean we're forgiven because we show mercy, Rather, it means we show mercy because we're forgiven. That's how it works. And the more mercy we show, the more we get. And it becomes a cycle. And James chapter 2, verse 13 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy for those who showed no mercy. For mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And that means there are some who are going to come to the judgment and have no mercy. That's where it says he shall have judgment without mercy. Then there's judgment, but, just, but mercy just overcomes it. So my friend, this morning, we, you will have judgment without mercy if you show no mercy. So this morning, the message is the benefits of being merciful. So I can implore you to, first of all, if you haven't received the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the first thing you need to do because you can't show mercy unless you have some mercy to show for it. If you're here today wondering or if you've ever been saved or if you know you're not saved and you know you need to do it, why wait? Why wait? This world doesn't want us. We have nothing, nothing, nothing to gain here except material things that are going to burn up someday. 
The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see, the blessing is when you show mercy, you get more. And the more we show, the more we get. But we can't get it till we've been, till we received it. So we need to surrender to God, receive Jesus Christ. And when we receive that mercy, we can show it. And then we can go back to what it said in Ephesians. We can be followers. We can be imitators of God. So folks, this morning, if God and his love has forgiven us, how much more should we forgive one another? Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. I want to say again today, everybody in this building is going to walk out of here one of two ways. Over the blood or under the blood. Which one are you? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Scott, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I die today that I'd go to heaven. I don't have that assurance of salvation. Or, I, or even fact, I know I'm not going to go to heaven right now. I, I know I need Jesus Christ. If you're here today, I just want to pray. No, no one's looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, if I could pray for you, for salvation, so that you, can, you know for sure that you died today. The Bible says that these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know you have eternal life. When you walk out of here, not only can you walk out of here under the blood, but confident knowing that no matter what happens from that point forth, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, knowing confidently that you will go to heaven when you die. Because we are going to die. But we're not all going to be in heaven if we've rejected Jesus Christ. But those who received him will be. Are you, is that you today? Can I pray for you? You're struggling with your salvation? Do you need to know for sure? Are you here to lift up your... If it's you, just lift up your hand. I won't say anything. I'll just pray for you. You walk out under the blood or over the blood. Brothers and sisters in Christ today, if you're here and you need to come to the altar... If you feel God pressing on your heart that I need to show more mercy to people. I need to be more forgiving. I need to be a picker-upper, not a beater-upper or a passer-upper. But I want to do it and know how to balance the truth of the Bible. If you need to come to the altars open for you, settle that score with Jesus Christ, you come while we sing this morning.